All right, all right. It's Tribute Wars. So it is. Shall we start with my traditional apology? <laughs> is this like a traditional welcome? We apologise yeah. to the, the ancestors for disrespecting the, listeners. the, 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 the tra- traditional owners of Triple J, which is Generation X, which should be apologised to for the, the state of which it's, it's been left by Richard Kingsman. Uh, it turns out the statement that I made last week was about as far away from accurate as I could possibly get. What Holy statement? Shit. What specific statement was that, Bezo? Because the, you, oh, you've made like, many uh, statements. You- yeah, well, I said that this is an indie rock band from Australia and it didn't seem like it had much... Tri- well, tri- well, let me stop you right there. So we're talking about Middle Kids, who are a yes. pop band from Australia. Sydney, so, Sydney, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that doesn't mean anything. I mean, Coffin are from Sydney. So yeah. I, I don't I, even think you can call this indie. I mean, it's 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 harmless uh, pop. It's not, not even indie pop because... Indie, is it harmless? It, well, it didn't hurt anybody. I, I, I felt pretty hurt. I mean, it's it's not being stabbed with a cotton wool bud. I mean, it, it's not indie because it's not independent of anything. It's as mainstream as you can imagine. It's as mainstream as a river island. But the, the weirdest thing I had about problem with this is that this one, these guys won the best rock album of 2021. How? And rock clearly means, I mean, it might be a, a river stone that's been polished and completely round. Uh, rock clearly means different shit to Aria than it does to the rest of us. This is much more smooth FM than Triple M. I mean, it's got all the fucking jaggedy, spiky, sharp edges of a overboiled haggis. Well, we've got two pretty good examples of, like, much more rock in the EPs this week than... By, by actual it. rock bands, let's, let's be fair, yeah. or, or rock acts, but it's... It, I know rock doesn't mean anything anymore, but it surely it doesn't mean this. Yeah, it's it's got to have a it's got to have a guitar and a riff. <laughs> Where's the riff? Yeah, I mean there are there were there were tracks towards the end of this album that that had guitars in them. Um but it was sure. but it was not it did not not a rock album. But it setting setting aside that semantics. I mean, for what it is, it's fine. I mean, it's it's oh, I mean, okay. I, I, I was trying to be generous uh, I, to it. I I mean, obviously I hated it, but I mean, if this is what you're into, it presumably this is what you want. I mean, it does exactly what it says on the label or in their actual bio on Spotify, the one you didn't read, where they, they all that fucking angsty, emotive shit, that, but not not in a kind of aggressive kind of Melbourne indie band kind of way. In this kind of a depressed, the world's fucked, so I don't want to be challenged by my music kind of way, which is which is very kind of modern kids, which I you know I don't I don't re- resent them for that. Um, just it's fucking it's sixpence. The whole thing sounded like sixpence. None the wit. What was that band? Sixpence. None the wiser. I've got written down. Um, yeah, sixpence. None the richer. Yes, the ones who did the fucking. Um, they they did the the, the the theme for one of those nineties TV teen teen TV shows. Uh, I can't remember sure. which one. Which, which, which which is actually a great tradition for indie pop rock is to do yeah. a. Nineties TV show theme song, All but the entire soundtrack of um, Secret Life of Us. There were like several albums of, yeah. of stuff that came out of it, uh, but I can't remember what the, what the track. Uh, it might have been. Oh, oh fuck! I'm not even going to bother looking it up. It'll be in the show notes because I will have I will have fact checked this and I'll I'll, written, I'll write it down. <laughs> I can't wait as, for the show notes for the sport episode. Where you as as the great Barry like- Sheen used to say, answers on a postcard. So. Uh. Um, I guess I dislike this more because I was like, oh, you know, this will be... No, no, I need to be clear on this. (laughs) I fucking hated this! (laughs) 
But <laughs> I'm still trying to say, I, I think it's a, a true enough version of whatever this genre is that, that somebody seems to like, that the kids seem to like because the world is fucked and they don't want to be challenged by their music. Um, that's fine. The question I have isn't, you know, why do you always have to apologise? It's why don't you ever listen to the music before you pick it, like at all? Uh- uh, like one track of this thing. would have told you, oh fuck! Now this is this is extremely <laughs> generic modern hottest one hundred. I won't say triple J areas, but it's modern hottest one hundred areas. I think because I went through a period of listening to one track and going, oh, this is shit, and this is shit, and this is shit, and then and found out that you were to- right. <laughs> That's right. No, going back to listening to uh, whole albums of stuff sometimes that wasn't a good representation and that I had a better hit rate when I just went in cold. I, I could Counterpoint? You don't this. and you haven't. What was your uh, favourite song on the album, Bezo? I, I intensely dislike <laughs> this album. Like, really, really intensely dislike. Philosophy was the one track where they, it sounded more like power pop than, you know, turgid sad pop. Um, there was a track that, that was called Go to Sleep on Me, and I was like, like, I have any choice. This music gives me narcolepsy. But the one that the one that made me think the most was the last track on the album, and it had old mate Dave from the Hillsong House Band, Gang of Youths, and it made me think, is this album actually stealth Christian pop? And I haven't been paying attention to the message. Mm. And then I realised I don't care enough <laughs> yeah, to listen in. Like, you, you would have to go back and re-listen. But, but if we find out these got the part of Sydney these guys are from is that fucking is Hillsong, is the Hills District, yeah. then you'll know exactly why this stuff is just so simpery and wet. So uh, I was having a conversation with Vanessa last night about Taylor Swift <laughs> because um, – one of her workmates is like- Because you like getting cancelled. <laughs> no, one of her workmates is like obsessed with Taylor Swift. Like Taylor That's Swift weird. is the- Is she the same age as, as Ness? Because any woman- Yes. At, at Vanessa's age, you're only allowed to be obsessed with pink. That seems to be the okay. thing. There's like a dividing line where, you know, right. if you're over 30, like 30, 35, then it becomes pink. And everyone is, you know, needs to go and see her trapezing around the joint. So Which enough too, because pink rocks. You know, she did, you know, just like the freestyle motocross- um, equivalent of Taylor Swift. Vanessa came home and asked the kids, she, you know, like, do you guys know Taylor Swift? And, you know, they're my kids. Uh, yeah, I think so. And, and Kurt's like, did she sing that Shake It Off song? I think I think some kids at school play that song. And then and then Vanessa's like, oh, she's supposed to be like the most famous person in the world. Kurt's like, no, Messi's the most famous person in the world. <laughs> like, just- what? It's, that's yeah, well, he's, he's current. They do a survey every quarter in the US. Yeah, so that, to see the most popular sportsman, and it's Messi in in America. Well, that's what Curtis did, being Vanessa's son. He's like, no, no, I'm right. Here's the analytics. Here, let me pull up the stats that show you. So Vanessa screenshotted the whatever that survey was and sent it to her friend to say, no, no, my son says Messi's more famous than Taylor Swift. I don't know whether but- his singing voice is any good, and he, he is, you know. He's persona non grata in China because he pulled up crook and couldn't play in um, in Hong Kong, which they assumed but, was some sort of political thing. But the but the um, welcome back to our music podcast. I guess I guess the the relationship between Messi and Taylor is that they're business people almost before their thing that made them a business. Um, uh, you could probably argue that Messi was better at the skill that that turned him into a corporation than Taylor is. Oh, I wouldn't even say that, but I would say that. The point of Messi's skill wasn't to sell a product. 
until no. later in his career. Like the point, even even if you're just a, a, an indie act playing to like Taylor Swift's first trip to Australia, she was playing to a couple of hundred people in in a. Mm. I don't even think it was a place like the Edmore. Well, I don't think it was the Edmore. Um, but even then, you're still selling your music to people. You're still selling a product, so it's it's still much yeah. more commercial uh, than you know. I play. I play soccer and somebody else sells the tickets and someone else sells yeah. the TV rights to this. But the point of my job is to win football games. So I'd say so, it's slightly different there. And also, Taylor can keep doing this. Well, Madonna has shown she's still out there yeah. dancing at 65, performing. Oh, that- Messi's ability just to play his trade at the level he's, is, a, is about a year away from ending. Yeah. And then being a pundit doesn't have the same. Like, well, he won't do that. He he simply won't do that. He'll just be a. I don't. I don't know what he'll do. Probably just retire on all his money and fucking enjoy himself. Like, like Shaq is popular to a whole new generation, but not because of Shaq the player. It's no. Shaq the buffoon media commentator. <laughs> like that. That's really interesting. That he sort of got it a whole second career, and he's very popular as a completely different. Um, Person than what he was. Uh, not as a really not that different because he was a he was a goofball uh, at the time. Yeah. You know, he rapped and he was in bad movies and he was had, mm. he had beefs with people. You know, he was he was. I mean, he was in friggin' he was in movies from very early. Like he was in Blue Chips in like the mid nineties. In like his second year in the league, so you know he's been yeah. he was um, always looking for that next career, much more so than even say LeBron or Draymond or somebody of of this era. So, so I was talking to a mate of mine about the similarities. But- did we resolve why you were talking to? Do we resolve the Taylor Swift? Yeah, thing? yeah. So, so uh, like uh, I'm getting there. So what I'm saying is, was there a point to that discussion <laughs> other than to get us <laughs> well, away the, from middle kids? Well, no, that the middle kids thing like that, like tr- Triple J almost has like this devotion to this sort of washed out style of music. No, I don't think it's a devotion. I think it's just because their playlist is a lot more poppy than the poppy stuff because pop poppy pop is popular, the poppy yeah. stuff ends up rising to the top of any kind of music competition chart. But if they if they didn't play anywhere near as much pop and they just played like if they played the stuff from that you know the, the stuff from the nineties that that you know we we were listening to, and they didn't play the pop, or they played the, the current equivalent of that. It would be that stuff that would be in the hottest one hundred. It's just that yeah. now that their remit has has moved to the point where a lot more mainstream sounding stuff, and there isn't that kind of Generation X, you know, siloing by genre. Uh, you don't have that those you know very hard delineations between rock and dance and metal and rap and stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's sort sort of all all moved towards the center. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't necessarily. I think they are their remit is to support young Australian music and. It just so happens that yes. the young Australian music, yeah, that, and they're doing, and they're yeah, doing that. They're doing, they're doing that. It's pretty. So, so I, I was sort of trying to say to, or I was telling Vanessa that that Taylor is like this generation's Beatles, in that Beatle, the Beatles have this sort of the, the Beatles are shit, and so is Taylor. <laughs> well, they have this lavish sort of devotion, right? Where it's like you almost exclude all of the rest of musical history because. There is the Beatles, and and what more do you need? You know, there's the Beatles, and the perfect example of this- Four more fucking biopics. <laughs> yeah, Sam Mendes is doing four movies about the- And, like, why? They better hurry up and finish them before all the boomers die and nobody gives a fuck anymore. <laughs> so, I, I, sent, I sent this to a mate of mine who I know is, is quite- um, has opinions about said topic, and we were comparing that to Taylor Swift, and he's like, he's like, man, i got nothing against Taylor Swift, and I- I was sort of making my point, and he's like, 
Uh, I'm going to quote him. I've never had to sit at someone's house party at 3am and been forced to listen to her music while someone I consider a friend drones on endlessly about her transcendental brilliance is what I mean. <laughs> and it's sort of like, well, that might be a generational thing. In 15 years' time, you might have a conversation at 3am with someone about the brilliance of Taylor's musical career. See, all the conversations uh, I've had with people like that have, have, have been some obscure fucking metal band or, or fucking yeah. someone trying to claim Zappa or Pink Floyd was, was genius instead of mostly being wank. Sorry, folks. They were mostly wank. Yeah, or, or someone that's like like Primus that's- Yes, you know, really- some impenetrable bullshit that is like- <laughs> <laughs> You clearly need to have been on the buckets for an extremely long time to make sense of. Yes. Speaking of being on the buckets for an extremely long time, shall we proceed on to talk about Black Grape? So- <laughs> We kind of wish they were on the other buckets. I think they were on the extremely hard stuff across the course of their, their journey. I sort of thought, that at least at the start, it sort of changed a little bit halfway through the album, but this was like if Dave Graney and the Black Seeds made a compilation album together while on drugs. <laughs> do, do, do you sort of get where I'm coming from here? Well, like that in, in that you have two, two sets of influences that don't seem to work together, and at yeah. times it's an absolute dog's breakfast and there's some terrible shit going on, and yet there's some bits that you go, holy oh. shit, that actually works. Yeah, because th- those are two sort of styles that I really enjoy, but not necessarily together. It's like, do I really want ice cream on my hash browns? No, no, I don't. Like, I'd like to enjoy no. them separately. But, but yet, sometimes the the salt actually works well with the with the sweetness. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I I I really fluctuated on this album. It's oh, like, look, look, it's uh, it, it is a I, it is a real it is a real marmite. Even track to track, it's. I mean, they're just as dissolute and incoherent as they were in period, uh, which showing that, you know, almost dying from drug-related blood poisoning so bad bits of your organs flake off doesn't make you change your ways. As an album, this is a catastrophe, but as an experience, I'm glad I had it. Yeah, I was confused pretty much the whole time <laughs> because I'd go, oh, this is great. No, I don't like this at all. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's, it's literally like a bad drug, drug trip. Um, yes. Yeah. But there was, I first came across Black, because I'd never heard of them, like, in period, except that there was a, um, they were on a compilation that was put out by one of the local record labels, I think it was MCA, and it, this was like 95, and it was called, in true Generation X, like we were talking about, siloing, gatekeeping fashion, this, the title of this, this compilation was Techno Sucks, and it got, it was given away with, you know, albums of the week or things that were on sale. And this it was a really interesting period piece because I, I looked up the track listing and it's got like grunge, indie, a bit of Brit pop, and a little bit of residual cock rock cheese. So it's got like Primal Scream and Urge Overkill, Elastica, Guns and Roses, fucking Faith No More, Sonic Youth, Stone Roses, you know, Aerosmith, Weezer, all kinds of shit. And it's got Black Grape in the middle of this, straight after Faith No More. And I was playing it like at the time for, for a mate. And when he heard this thing, he's like, what the fuck is this? And that kind of feels like everyone's reaction to Black Grape. What the fuck is this? It makes no sense in the context of 1995 or in the context of 2024. I do miss those free CDs you used to get on the front of magazine. It was a really Actually, good one. When I looked at this, like it's a banging compilation. Like if we were doing a, if we allowed compilations in the in the albums draft for 95, it and Hottest 100 version 3 would, would have a serious argument with each other. Um, I, I, 
I'm just confused. I'm still confused. <laughs> I can't even tell you which song I like the most because I don't think any particular song was consistent from start to fucking yes. finish. <laughs> I, I liked five of the songs. There were ten on the album, so it's a five out of ten for me. But it's not a, it's which- not a good album. It's, it's very interesting, but it's not good. But this goes back to the we'd rather someone had a crack and totally fucked it up than just be incredibly fucking middle so middle of the road they got lines painted down on like middle kids. Yeah. Yeah, m- middle middle kids could could really do with 24 hours of just listening to this album on repeat. Or, or just just um, access to the sort of drugs they used to use in the 90s. Yeah. They, they got their US visas cancelled. Well, I I keep saying that, you know, part of the problem with modern music is the the drugs are just not not the same. The drugs don't work, they just make you worse at music. Yeah. Uh, which of the three EPs? How, snap poll. What, what, well, one well, to three. What do we talk about? Someone else who probably needs to find different inspiration or different drugs. That's your mate, Little Sims. Yeah. So it's a, me- bit, it's a bit grim, isn't it? Well, like we said, with it, with the when Sims does an EP, it's usually because she's trying out ideas that aren't going to make the next album. And in this case, it was she's clearly experimenting with a new with a new songwriter. Although this guy, uh, Jake Wobb. Uh, he had worked with her in the past on a few bits and pieces. I suppose uh, I suppose the encouraging thing is that we know that none of these ideas are going to be on the next album. It's different. It's, is it better? Well, there's less wank compared to to sometimes I might be introvert. It, it, it's it's almost a, an overreaction to introvert, isn't it? Yeah. It, it, I found it a bit grim, like... And, and not very low in, energy. Like yeah, so th- there's no there's no boss in a fucking dress here. I don't know what happened to her. Nah. Maybe she's just been crushed by COVID and antidepressants. Well, but she, she she might have made some cash, man. That, that no, might be it. I think she's I think she's just too depressed. And the production is is way too fucking Fisher Price. My first drum machine demo loops mashed up with really generic Afro beats. And she's she's low energy, and she's also way back in the mix. Yeah. You know what? It reminded me of fucking Takei Maidza. I'm like, if you're getting inspiration from the chick who does the fucking theme for the A League, I think maybe you need to rethink your fucking inspirations. <laughs> like you said, the only good thing about this EP is okay, you've washed all those ideas out of your system. But uh... do you remember Near Archives? We did we did their album, did her album. Yeah, yep. Yeah, he he was heavily involved in her album, so. Yeah, you know, he, he likes fiddling around with Afrobeats, which makes sense because he's extremely fucking white. I, I, I'd almost like the guys from Chasing Status to write her a beat. Fucking write her a banger. Get some fucking drops in there. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, like it's an EP, so you can't be too critical, right? Ha- have a go. If you've got some ideas, throw them out there. I've got no uh, spot. The Spotify era is perfect for that. I would much rather you do that than. Do the um, Bob Marley, let's have four good tracks and seven shit tracks on an album and just bash out an album every two years. I'd rather you experiment on your EPs and then, you know, pull your narrative stuff together for an album. Because that's. Oh, I'm hoping. I'm hoping Inflow got pissed off that that she cheated on him, and, and now she's you know he's gonna <laughs> he's gonna rack up some fucking some heat like like from a grey area, and we'll uh, we might yeah. might see something good. That's the thing I missed from from Sims in the last couple of years has been the intensity of. Yeah. I mean, you don't need you don't want an entire album of it, but there's not there's none of the venom literally. You know, as <laughs> one of the tracks on fucking grey area, but there's no boss and there's no you know that kind of. Um, Sparking, seething, fucking intensity is just not well, just not there anymore. That that intensity made the 
more poppy stuff pop a bit more. Yeah. Because you you had light and shade, whereas yeah. the last album was just light and froth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, there wasn't something to ground it back to reality. Yeah. Anyway, the Black Rebel Motorcycle Club, is there any... Like, like to me, this just sounded like their, like their gear, like their classic gear. It sounded like them. I suppose the impressive thing is that it's it's like the first three tracks at least were essentially peak Black Rebel Motorcycle Club gear, and they have not been doing this shit for an extremely long time. Mm. So I think that's probably the, the value of this is the fact that oh shit, we can still do this. Um, and that they have done like their last album was 2018, and the album before that was 2013. So they have been well into semi-retirement. Um, yeah. They've got. A, I just saw they had a live at Levitation album out uh, from last year, and that might be worth a spin because those Levitation um, live albums are usually really good. Um, it, it was it was good from the perspective of you know a, a statement of intent to say, look, fuck, we're still we're still good at this shit. Which you know, it's always nice to get signs of life from a, a, a band that rocks. If anything, it sounded like a band that had gone, hey, we. We found some demo tapes down the back of the back of the couch that we never released in period. I mean, maybe let's, they are. Maybe these are really old songs that they never actually. Yeah, got back to. let's let's clean them up and, and give them a run because they sound so in peak period. It was yeah. um, this it could was, have been it, it, this could have been off yeah. um, off their two thousand three album. Um, I, I really I, I really like that two thousand three album. Like, I don't know whether I've listened to it for the last decade, and in yeah. fact, I didn't listen. I, I don't know why I didn't go back and listen to it in there. But I can remember like intensely liking that album at the time. Yeah, I might go back and have a, have a bit of a listen to that. That'd be interesting. As for um, Matt Cameron, um, I suppose the interesting thing for this is that, I mean, it's all extremely serviceable adult-oriented rock. Uh, the interesting thing is that for a guy who's been in, in grunge bands his entire life, everything sounds remarkably clean. He like his, his guitar sounds yeah. and everything. The production is extremely clean. Um, it, it is a bit like that. He, he got a track on the second, third secret album. They gave him one all for himself. And it's a bit like that, a little bit, maybe a little bit more hard-edged. But, um, yeah, it's it's kind of what you'd expect. Uh, it's not what the kids are into these days. But it was, it was extremely competent for a drummer. It was pretty enjoyable. Yeah. I don't know whether I'll ever go back to it, but I was like, ah, some nice riffs. No, some, it some might, clean, it, clean production. Yeah, it made me think more about, you know, the the... the, the Second, the third secret guys the, the fact that because I always envisioned that as just um, Nova Selleck and, and Kim Tile but it's it's clearly Matt Cameron is involved is doing more there he's doing more songwriting heavy lifting than I'd given him credit for yeah alright some new tunes I, yes in a com- do you want to roll in a, com- a complete overreaction to the Triple J-ification of my musical taste last week I'm going to go with an artist called Gets, but it's not G-E-T-S, it's G-H-E-T-T-S, like the ghetto, which might give you a bit of an indication of where these tunes are coming from. That's good, because if it was G-E-T-Z, it'd be an old Hyundai. (laughs) No, this is a grime album, so let's let's give it a a, a run. The album's called On On Purpose With Purpose. On Purpose With Purpose. It goes for an hour. It has a whole lot of guests who I've never heard of. Um... Yes. What's the get story? The get story is that's really useful. G I I G. Good on you, mate. That's thanks for your bio. He does have a lot of guests on this album. Has a lot of writers on this album, isn't there? 
Holy shit. Ten Billion Dreams. That's a good name for a producer. I was trying to find the... Um, yeah, I was I was trying to find his fucking... Um, I'm going to edit this bio. out. Yeah, I was trying to find a better bio. A merch bar. Uh, like, it's, it's pretty... It's pretty... It's a pretty spare thing. He was, you know, part of a crew, gone solo. Um, it, it seems pretty underground grime. Now... That might be a good thing. It also might mean we're going to get lots of, you know, guns and bitches sort of... Oh, look, I don't doubt. I don't doubt for a second. He has a Wikipedia thing. Yeah. Samuel Justin Jude Clark, better known (laughs) by his stage name Getz, formerly Ghetto, is a British grime MC, rapper and songwriter. (laughs) Known for his hard-hitting lyrics and intricate rhyme schemes, he is associated and has turned nationally with such acts as Cano and was a member of Nasty Crew. (laughs) Musical career. Getz was a member of grime collective Nasty Crew. The nasty is capitalised. However, he left, saying that things had gone, quote, pear-shaped. Close quotes. This quote needs a citation. During the number of people in the group. He then later went on to form the Grime Collective, the movement, including one, two, six other dudes. Skin <laughs> makes it a little bit odd that he was bitching about the number of people in the group. Um, hasn't hasn't got an affiliation with any of the big Grime names nah, in the UK, which is interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. He he was nominated for an award. The same. Yeah, well, he hasn't. Yeah, it's only Carno. Um, uh, it's been around for a, been around for a while. So he has. He has, yeah. there he is. It, Conflict of Interest was his third album in 21. Backed by Warner Music, the album campaign involved the rollout of singles featuring other artists like Stormzy. It, well, the last con- album was. Conflict of Interest got to number two on the UK charts. Yeah, so, so he's, he's actually reasonably. But then again, the fucking charts. What, what, what does that mean? The fucking yeah. charts, who knows? You know. Uh, but he's, he's had, he's had um, Skepta and Stormzy on tracks re- previously. But in this case, he's got a whole bunch of dudes that you and I haven't heard of. Because we're wow. old and washed. And washed. I can guarantee you it won't be non indie pop. <laughs> and let's hope it's not R and B influenced. And I think that's oh, look, what sort of attracts. There'll definitely be a. There'll definitely be the old soft sad. The little you know, yeah. Singing about how sad it is that you've got to be in the ghetto and, and doing knife crime. <laughs> All right. What do you got for me? That's new. Uh, it's not that. <laughs> All right, I'm going to go for a band who we did a couple of years ago. They are a Italian rock band with connections to Queens of the Stone Age. Alan Johannes has produced their last album, and I think he's, he also had a hand in, in producing this one, a band called The Devils. Devils. Yeah, I can vaguely remember that, I think. Yeah, their, their, their album from, tw- when was it? Remember 21, called Beast Must Regret Nothing. Um, but yeah, they're kind of grotty, desert rock-ish, but all, yeah, that makes sense. It'll make sense when you listen to it. And their album is called Let the World Burn Down. Which it probably is. Yeah, well, Uh, whether you've got any choice about it or nothing. And it's only half the length of your fucking album, so you're welcome. We we might need that after that one. Um, what what are we, what are we looking at there for a, uh, Joker this week, Doc? (sighs) Well... I was I, I I wanted to throw out a band called the Snuts just because I have of heard of the funny Snuts. name. The Snuts they're a Scottish indie rock band. I was uh, going to suggest we do that Gall- that Liam Gallagher John Squire thing. 
Uh, all right. That's probably that's probably it. That, well, that I, I, I feel like it. It oh, actually no, it says releases on first of March, so it's not out yet. Ah, okay. So forget that idea. The only other one what I else? had was MGMT, and I don't think you particularly like MGMT. So tell me about. Let's have a look at the, them snuts. Why are they familiar? The snuts, comma the full stop. What's the snuts story? This is the snuts. The infamous snuts joined the Discord. Well, that's fucking useless. I'm just trying to see if I recognise any of the and album the, and covers. The, al- the album's called Mil- The Millennials. Yes, the album's called very, Millennials. And it's, it's even shorter. Even the t- that and, the, and the, the Devil's album still don't add up for as long as your fucking um, thing. All right, well, they're, they're, they're extremely popular, so let's do them. Let's, let's snut it up, uh, you dirty snut. Well, they're, they're Scottish, so surely they're more rock than... <laughs> Bell and Sebastian? <laughs> sure. He is playing at the guitar sitting down. That's not very rock and roll. No, that, that's from a lot more... Anyway, here's Wonderwall kind of areas, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, uh, well, it's in the playlist. We've dedicated ourselves to it. Um, yeah. Occasionally, you have to let me pick a joker, so... Yeah, well, you know, I was going to say... Oh, you, not, you did, not, not going to claim you won the week, but, you know. <laughs> no, definitely. In fact, I aggressively lost the week. If, if, there was a, if, if someone wants to keep score, uh, I, I, I think I would... I'd be at a, like a twenty percent win rate, maybe across across the whole podcast. You will be like Dame's three point shooting at the moment at twenty nine percent. Oh, aren't we lucky? Kanye West and Ty Dollar Sign have an album out on the. Oh, I, I saw that one. I saw the review for. The, it was the only one on Metacritic where the where the you know they've got like color coded for like you know green is in the high eighties and nineties and it was it was down in the yellow. It was like fifty. So clearly, even reviewers fucking hate it. Square pusher. And he's got another album coming out soon as well. So there's something to look forward to. Aren't we lucky? All right, Doc. Once again, my profuse apologies for Double J-ing our, our week. I don't think Double J would play that shit. <laughs> it's, it's too pop even for them. They'd get too many angry emails from Gen Xs. I, I, I tell you what, D- Double J is, is about to become very, very Pearl Jam adjacent, don't you reckon? A, a new album and a tour next yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, not, not that I lis- ever listened to Double J, but oh, I presume like- they're quite uh, Queens of the Stone Agey right now because because of the fact that the the Queens of the Stone Age are touring. Yeah, but I, I've never seen like I, I thought Taylor Swift overtook my Facebook algorithm, but I have never seen so many clicked as interested on the Triple J on the um, Pearl Jam you know, live tour of Australia. And I was like, holy shit, a lot of you people have not let go of the 90s. Have not listened to anything. And I guarantee they probably haven't listened to shit of their stuff since friggin', you know, no code. Uh, I would imagine a Pearl Jam concert would be 70 to 80% of their hits, yeah? You wouldn't you wouldn't be getting 30% past Vitology, would you? Surely they know where their bread's buttered. You'd, you'd have to be playing the, the big three albums a fair bit. Well, Pearl Jam are a bit like Metallica in that they never do the same set twice and they always, they, they, for the longest time, they were the band that, that they were the first guys to, to basically bootleg their own albums and put them on, yeah. uh, put them out straight away and they would always do different uh, set lists so that people would come to multiple sets. So not quite to the level yeah. of, of Metallica where they literally will not do, they'll do two back-to-back shows and they won't play the same song. But, you know they they are definitely cut from a lot of the same cloth as that. So yeah, but I uh, you know Which but is a lot, I'm like, sure there'll be lots of the 
you know, the, the favourites. The, the, there is something, like, for all we sort of joke about these legacy bands and, you know, just sort of mining their back catalogue for, for life, like, the fact that they're essentially running a business, you know, like a, like a family business based on performing music from 30 years ago is pretty admirable because they're pro- what are they probably employing like, nah, that, that, uh, to the same extent people? that a fucking pub covers band at an RSL club is admirable I mean they're doing, basically doing the same thing the only difference is that they didn't write the songs yeah but but, but what I'm saying is that they're, they're supporting a, a small a small industry of people that, that, that are traveling around all over the world in uh, in support of the of of you know, and they're mo- and they're mining the nostalgia pretty hard. Like, yeah, I was going to say that they've, pearl- they've capitalised on art. How is- much would those pearl pearl jam tickets be? One hundred and fifty, two hundred bucks, probably. Oh, I think up and up and up in terms of. I imagine they'd have huge corporate box. Um, yeah. Things, particularly if, if you, as soon as you're doing a stadium <laughs> tour, you're doing a, something that has corporate boxes. One of one of my gym mates went and saw Blink One Eight Two this week, and uh, he, he said something about. Like just being absolutely wrecked, and I'm like, "Oh, did you, did you get smashed in the mosh pit at Blink One Eight Two? And he's like, "No, we were seated." And I was like, "Seated for Blink One Eight Two? It's not fucking John Legend. It's no, not Paul but Kelly. Yeah, as the song says, what's my age again? Fifty <laughs> one. <laughs> I was like, I just, I just can't imagine sitting down at a Blink One Eight Two and like politely climbing at the end. Of yeah, the that'd be the thing. Just, song. just the polite golf clap. <laughs> like, I mean, I've just... sat down. I, I'm pretty sure I, I think Blink One Eight Two played "Livid," that two, that amazing 2000 "Livid." I might be thinking, yeah. Yeah, no doubt. I think I was sitting down for that because I was fucked because it was 44 <laughs> degrees all day and I was dead on my feet. Yeah. So I was just sitting down going. You, Jesus, you I've had a, it. You definitely weren't in a comfortable angled seat. No, I was. I was sure. on the fucking. I was in the grandstand, just going, Jesus, I've, 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 I need, I need my second wind here at some stage. Uh, I just, I just like, I realise why because of the venues and whatever. But I, I just, the, the thought of like two hundred people sitting down to watch Blink One Eight Two was extremely funny to me. Anyway. Just, just the whole fucking, you know, theatre seating and, and you know, yeah, yeah, opera glasses. It, I, I can understand other bands, like like even Pearl Jam, right? I, I can understand sitting down to Pearl Jam because they could probably, sl- you know, slow the tempo slightly a lot of their songs, and it would be fine to be sitting down. But Blink One Eight Two just doesn't seem like you'd want to be sitting for it. But that's that's a reflective of the audience, isn't it? I mean, yeah. you've got you got to go to where the audience is, and for a lot of these right. bands, their audience are uh, in a band. nursing home. <laughs> yes. Uh, all right, Doc. Thank you for your time. I will um, catch you on the flip side. See you, folks. We'll talk to you again next week.